Some of you may remember a movie of a few years ago called Dead Poets Society. Uh, Robin Williams pre uh, plays the role of a uh, professor of literature at a prep school sometime in the 1950s. And early in the movie, uh, Williams encourages young, his young students to drink deeply of life, to live life to the fullest, to get the most they can out of every day that they live. And he uses a Latin phrase that some of you may remember from that movie, carpe diem, carpe diem, which means seize the day. It means don't let any opportunity pass you by. Take what you can when you can. Now, I've been thinking about this phrase as I prepared this current series, which we're calling Into the Deep, Piercing the Surface Level Life. It's about piercing what sometimes holds us back from getting deeper. Now, you could say that this whole series is about how to carpe every diem for the rest of your life, how to seize every day for the rest of your life. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to look at some things that you can do to live a, a deeper, more satisfying life. Now, I say that in spite of the fact that there may be some of you here today who have wasted some of uh, your years in the past. Uh, but today, you can start taking steps in the direction of a fuller and richer life, a life that can be lived. In, the, in fact, you see here on the, next, on the next screen some of the words of Jesus in John 10.10. 10. I came to give life to all its fullness. Now, that's a wonderful passage because a lot of people only live life. They don't live this full life. So the question is, what is the first step into the deep? Well, where do you start? Well, step one is really learning how to conquer stress. Now, you may have heard people before use the term stress management. You ever hear that before? Stress management? Uh, the truth is, I have no interest whatsoever in stress management. I'm interested in stress demolition. I am interested in stress eradication. I don't want to learn how to live with stress. I want to learn how to live without stress. Now, obviously, some, uh, stress is something that we all have to face, but I think most of you know that stress is a killer. I mean, literally, it can kill your body, it can kill your relationship, it can kill your joy, it can even, believe it or not, kill your ability to taste food. Did you know that? I was watching a special about stress, in fact, it almost stressed me out to watch the first part, but it was on National Geographic Channel some time back, and they referred to some research that had been done about stress, measuring dopamine levels. I'm not sure what that is. I don't think that makes you a dope, but it's something that you know dumps into your bloodstream and brain activity and their connection to the states of stressfulness. The bottom line of the study was this. When you are stressed, when you're put in a stressful situation, food doesn't taste near as good, the sun doesn't shine near as bright. The air doesn't smell as fresh. Music doesn't sound as good. And jokes aren't as funny and on and off. Now, I don't know about you, but anything that's going to prevent me from enjoying a pizza to its full extent, uh, I don't want any part of it. But in all seriousness, stress is a much deeper problem in life. And here's the worst thing about stress. Most of the time... The power is merely perceived. We just think 
is stressed. In other words, much of the time we're stressed, we're stressed about stuff that doesn't matter. Maybe some of you have heard that book. Don't sweat the small stuff, dot, 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 and it's all small stuff. Now, obviously, there are times when uh, some kinds of stress are important. They're appropriate. There are times when you are truly in the midst of uh, a perilous situation, and at those times, the really cool thing is that God has wired something into us, hardwired into us, what we would call the fight-or-flight response. Fight or flight. Our bodies are designed by God in such a way to deal with imminent danger. Now, let's say that uh, you're walking down the street and somebody stops and pulls out a gun. Fight or flight immediately kicks in. Some of you are already thinking, feet don't fail me now. Well, your heart speeds up, your blood vessels constrict, your pupils dilate, and fat is released into your muscles so that you can run or protect yourself or do whatever you need to do. And I'm sure that everybody here could probably tell us about some sort of a a brush with danger and the physical reaction that you had to that. That's just how God, for some reason, wired up our bodies to react whenever we face a dangerous situation. But, here's the problem. Some of us, over the years, have conditioned conditioned ourselves to react this way not only to every dangerous situation, but to things as mundane as traffic or being interrupted at work, or uh, when our fantasy football quarterback throws an interception, or when the internet goes down, or, sorry to say this, that's when you have to stand in line at commercial bank. I mean, there are some people who spend the entire day going in and out of fight or flight responses over every last single thing. And they spend the entire day stressed to the limit. As if they're engaged constantly in hand-to-hand combat with the entire world. Now, I don't know about you, that would wear me out. Needless to say, this is not conducive to what John says, that I came to have life in all of its abundance. And that's because most of our stress in life is only perceived stress. And on top of that, most of our stress is disproportionate to the situation. In other words, we tend to make mountains out of molehills. I'll give you an example. One day I was running a little bit behind, and I was in a rush to make a, a, a meeting all the way across town. You know how far that is. But that day the universe somehow conspired against me, and it caused me to get caught at a red light. My response, when it It went red, I slammed on my brakes, I pounded my steering wheel, and I complained vociferously. I also looked at my watch to see just how much this delay was going to hold me back. And then I waited for the light to turn green, and I looked at my watch again. Guess how much time had passed? Ten seconds. I lost my cool over a 10-second delay. And that's not good because I don't have a whole lot of cool to spare. But you know what? If we're not careful, we fall into that habit until it defines us. It becomes how we live our whole day. And let me tell you, it is a terrible 
way to live, and I'd go so far as to say, and for the Christian or for the person who calls him or herself a Christ follower, it's a really bad, it's a really dumb way to live. I mean, the only time you ought to be stressed is when you're in a situation that's completely out of control. And here's the catch. If you're a follower of Jesus, you'll never encounter such a situation. Let me say that again. The only time you really ought to be stressed is when you're in a situation that's completely out of control. And guess what? If you're a Christ follower, you will never, ever find yourself in that kind of situation. You know why? Look at this next Bible passage up here on the screen. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. That's John, you know, 1 John 4, 4. It's a good verse for you to remember. Greater is he that's in me than he, speaking of the devil, all this other stuff that's out here in the world. This world reminds us, that this word reminds us that even when the world is falling apart all around us, or seems to fall apart, you don't have to worry because what? You've got the Holy Spirit that is, if you are a Christ follower, living inside of you. That means as a child of God, you'll never encounter anything that is beyond his ability to manage. It also means that as a child of God, instead of living every moment of every day in fight-or-flight mode, you can relax and know that someone's out of control. You ever see that bumper sticker that says, God is my co-pilot? Guess what? Wrong person's flying the plane. Slide over, ride shotgun. And enjoy the ride. Now, how do you do that? It's by giving God the place that you've been giving to stress. Again, I say most of our stress is perceived stress. We're stressed because we tell ourselves the wrong thing. That this problem, this situation, this inconvenience is more bigger than it really is. And just as stress starts you starts with you telling yourself the wrong thing, it stops. Guess what? When you start telling yourself the right thing. Now, you probably wonder, are you ever going to get around to Romans 8? Because that was an awful long piece of scripture. Yeah, I'm going to get to Romans 8 right now because in here are three secrets of unstress, except that they're not really secrets. You know, I was listening to Sue read that again, and I was thinking, oh, why did I pick such a long text? And I thought, well, there's a reason because there's good stuff in here. But I also was watching along, and I thought, man, I could preach any number of sermons on just those verses. You know, all things work together for the good of those. I could have talked about that. Some of you thought, oh, I wonder if he's ever going to preach about predestination. That would be a good subject to talk about. But, I, but I'm not. Just stress. Don't, so don't stress over it. So let's get, let's get to the first principle. There are three simple principles. Here's principle number one. It's the principle of God's presence, which simply means that God is always with you. Now, some of you are going, well, duh. I mean, every believer knows this, sort of. If I were to ask you a question on an exam, is God with you always? I would guess that all of you would get the question right. Of course he is. But when you bring it to a practical level, sometimes it, you don't live that way. Uh, one of my uh, favorite pastor authors is Craig Groeschel. And Craig Groeschel uh, came up with a term a few years ago. It's called a Christian atheist. 
A Christian atheist. Isn't that a great thing? He said, your churches are populated with Christian atheists. Well, what's a Christian atheist? It's a word used to describe a person who believes in God, but who lives as if he didn't really exist. I mean, Christian atheists live as if they're all alone. That God is way over there somewhere, sometimes paying attention, sometimes not paying attention. And I'd say if that's the way you live, that God is way over there, then it's no wonder that you're worried. It's no wonder that you're stressed. It's no wonder that you're on edge. I mean, who wouldn't be if you thought God was out there somewhere, maybe watching, maybe not? I don't know. My Bible tells me something completely different. It says again and again that God is with you right here, right now. Now, a lot of you say, well, of course he's here right now. I mean, this is his house, for goodness sake. Aha, but the Christian atheist needs to be told he's also in your house. He's also at your place of work. He's also in your car when the light changes red. Take a look at these next words on the screen. God spoke these words to Moses. He speaks to them, them to you today. My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. See, when you find yourself getting stressed over something Little or big, take a moment to remind yourself that God is right there. God is not over yonder. God is right there beside you. He's saying, I don't want you to be stressed. I want you to be at rest. I guess had whoever Moses wrote that he should have made it rhyme that way. I don't want you to be stressed. I want you to be at rest. See, God's always with you. So you make it a point of practicing that. To kind of go through life and kind of you know, put it in the middle of your mind to say a prayer every once in a while. Thank you, Lord, for being here with me. I welcome your presence in my life. Now, Paul talked about this in Romans. Let's, let's go to the next screen. Here's that first verse that Sue read to me before. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And guess what? There'd be some people go, yeah, that would separate me. Yeah, no. Let's go on to the next verses. It says, for I am persuaded. I mean, here, you know, so, can this stuff bother me? No, here I am persuaded. What? Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did Paul miss anything in that list? I think not. It's the principle of God's presence. God is with you wherever you go. You don't need to be a Christian atheist who says, yeah, I believe in God, and then walk out of this building today and live as if you don't really believe it. And not only is God here, God's here to stay. He's not going anywhere. No amount of trouble can force or push God out of your life. I think that's a pretty cool thing. Here's the second principle. There's no such thing as random. Oh, I, 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 every once in a while, you know, on Facebook, oh, faith is conspiring against me. Things just aren't going my way. Oh, man, you know, build a bridge and get over it. 
Look at what Paul says here in verse 28. It'll be up here on the screen. And we know that in all things, some things, no, all things, work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Now, some versions say God causes all things to work together for good. I find that wonderful. The biggest message I've ever made, God was able to take that and what? Bring some good out of it. See, when, by the work of the Holy Spirit, you give your life to Jesus, he becomes the architect of your future. He designs, he directs every detail. Why? So that you become the person he created you to be. Didn't the army say, be all you can be? I mean, God would say, be all I designed you to be. A couple of years ago, I, I, I see the story, I think it was one of my wife's you know, women's magazines, Better Homes and whatever, gardens. Uh, and it was about a couple who had a fire in their house. And the house wasn't destroyed, but the article was about how they brought in uh, you know, some renovators. Christian Construction Company, I guess, after the fire. Oh, I don't think it was Christian Construction Company. And they hired renovators to come in uh, to restore and remodel and rebuild that part of the house that had the fire. And the end result was that their house somehow got bigger. You know, their house went from being like 2,200 square feet to like 3,000 square feet or something like that. They ended up with more livable space after the fire than they had before the fire. Now, even though the fire was not a good thing, the renovation team was able to do something or bring something good out of it. Now, all I'm saying is God is able to do the same thing in your life. He can take all the fires that you experience, all the fire, fires that have caused damage in your life, and he can take that and make something good come out of it because he's got a plan for every problem. He's got a purpose for your life. And the good thing is you don't even need to understand it all. A number of years ago, Nancy and I built our first house. I looked at the brick blueprints, and I, quite honestly, I, they're a waste of time for me. I don't understand. Uh, but I know it's going to be a house. And I was just happy as a clam at high tide that that's what it was going to be. And I just trusted the, the builder. So when it, it, it appears that some sort of random mishap after another is taking place... Oh, fate is conspiring against me. Life never works out for me. You gotta kind of say, come on, buddy, suck it up here. I mean, there's no such thing as random. No such thing as random. God has a plan. And God has a purposeful plan. And He's working that plan and that purpose together for something good. And when I trust in His purpose, guess what? Stress takes a nosedive. Stress loses its power. Here's the third principle. It's God's perspective. Learn to see the big picture. Hall of Fame basketball coach uh, Dean Smith, North Carolina, once said, quote, If you're going to make every game a matter of life and death, you're going to have a lot of problems. For one thing, you'll be dead a lot. You know, and as a former basketball coach, that's, I understand that. If every game is life and death, you're going to be dead a lot. See, we get stressed out when we live as if each moment is all there is. And the Bible teaches us that this moment 
isn't all there is. In fact, this moment right now here at, what, 1032, is only a mere drop into the ocean of eternity, however it might be. That's why you need to learn to see the big picture. Which means if you have a setback today, or if you have to face some frustrations today, it's not the end of the world. That's why you've heard me say it over and over again. Build a bridge, move on. Build a bridge, get over it. We don't, because we don't live for today. We're not designed to live for the day. We are designed to live for eternity. Look at this next passage on the screen. Paul says in verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us. I love that. In a different version, it says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to what God's got in store for us. He's saying that God has some really big things out there for his people. And because there's some really big stuff out there that God's already prepared, then, you know, the best is yet to come. So we can kind of put up with momentary hardship. Look at this next passage on the screen. 1 Corinthians 2.9. I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. In other words, folks, the, just think about that. The best thing that you can remember happening in your life. You know, the day you got married, the day you had a baby, the day you finally going to have another baby. You know, whatever the best thing was in your whole life, who was the guy who said one time, you ain't seen nothing yet? Is that P.T. Barnum? Now, who cares? You know, that's what God would say. You think today was cool? You ain't seen nothing yet. That's the coolest thing you've ever seen in your life. You know, Nancy would tell you that every time we go to, I, I, got, I got to go look at the basketball arena, football stadium. We went to New Orleans. I, I said, go inside the Superdome. I said, wow, this is cool. God's going, wait till you get to heaven. You think this is cool? This is really way cool. You know, I used to think this verse was about heaven too, by the way. But actually, if you read that verse in context, read the verses ahead of it, read the verses behind it, it's not exclusively about heaven. It's about life. It's life here, and it's life hereafter. You think this is cool today? Wait until tomorrow and see what God has in store. See, here's the paradox. If, in order to live life to its fullest, we need to realize that this life isn't all there is. We need to realize that this moment isn't all there is. We need to realize that most situations aren't really do-or-die situations. So when we look at life from God's perspective, we can do that. In terms of eternity, we're better able to determine what really matters. If you want to drink deeply from life, Try to look at it through God's eyes. The quote here on the screen from C.S. Lewis, he said, I have discovered that the people who believe most strongly in the next life do the most good in this present one. It's an interesting quote. And that's because people who see from God's perspective understand what's important and what is not important. They don't get stressed out about who gets voted off the island. They don't lose sleep over who's not on Dancing with the Stars anymore. Or who doesn't win American Idol. 
For heaven's sakes, they don't even care who wins the Super Bowl. They don't get out, bent out of shape when the waiter brings the wrong order to their table because they know that kind of nonsense aren't really matters of life and death. I got news for you folks today. You know, if your Patriots don't win, if your Giants don't win, it's not a life, matter of life and death. Life moves on, God willing. You know, God willing, we'll all wake up tomorrow and I said, well, the commercials weren't bad. Life moves on. See, do you want to eliminate a big portion of stress in your life? Learn to see the triviality of your problems in comparison with the mammoth greatness of God. The other day on my radio, I was listening to the message, you can get Sirius FM, the Christian station, and the gal in between one of the songs said, remember this, don't tell God about the size of your mountains. Tell your mountains about the size of your God. Isn't that cool? See, the Bible tells us about a deep life, an abundant life that is ours in Christ Jesus. A life full of joy. That's why I hate seeing sad Christians. Man, jolly up, folks. This is a good deal. Yet life is full of meaning. Life is full of purpose. Life is full of fulfillment. It belongs to each and every one of you. And, you know, at the risk of saying it, it's something about you, it's like yours for the asking. It's yours for the taking. But I want you to understand that God can move you to that point. That's the Spirit working in you. This series is really about moving into a deeper life today with a determination to turn away from the temporary, to let go of worry, to let go of anxiety, to let go of stress, and instead embrace the greatness of God. We're going to sing one of my favorite songs next week. I think. All Things Are Possible. I love that song. I'm ready to rock on next week. All things are possible. You know, and all things are possible if you have this determination to turn away from the temporary. To let go of worry. I mean, the whole, you know, the, what is it? How great is our God? How great is thy faithfulness, we sing. I mean, it, you don't have to be a prisoner of stress. Why? Because God's turned the key and let you out. He's working out the details of your life. Even the seemingly difficult ones. I don't know what all your problems are today. I have a hard time keeping track of my own. But God has the key to every last one of those. And he's going to take whatever situation you're in today. And again, I don't know what situation you find yourself in. God can take that and bring something good out of it. So that he gets the glory. And he's going to do it not just for the passing moment of today, but he wants to do it for all eternity. So if you want to take the very first step into the deeper life, it comes down to this right here on the screen. It is a willingness. Next screen there. Oh, there it is there. Okay. Living the deeper life begins with a willingness to let go of the little things and start trusting God for the big things. Kind of another way of saying everything in your life is little. So let God take care of the rest. What would happen 
as a Christ follower, if you could do this? I can think of three things right off the top of my head. You'll rest better, you'll feel better, and you'll live better. To God be the glory. All things are possible with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are such victims of stress, and we make ourselves victims. And yet you give us the solution to moving away. You help us conquer it simply by understanding that you're always with us. That there's nothing random about life or random about details in our life. That you're in control of all of them. And that there's a much bigger picture than what we see on a day-to-day basis. Lord, may we learn to carpe every diem to live the good life under the loving hand of an even bigger God each and every day. Amen.